Welcome to Epiphany Brooklyn's podcast. I am Brandon Watts, lead pastor here at Epiph. Thanks so much for tuning in. Our desire is to join Jesus in his mission to redeem our city. May God bless you as you listen and consider subscribing so that you can tune in each week. Grace and peace. Do me a favor. Let's give Jesus some praise in this room, everybody. Come on. He brought you to another year. Another Christmas Eve. You didn't make it here by yourself because it's because of the grace and the mercy of God. We are at our Epiphany Wine service, which is the service in which we completely switch everything around. And so if it's kind of odd for me to be up here this early, um, this is what it is. And we're going to go into a heavy time of worship and a heavy time of, of, of giving Jesus the praise. There's a verse in Isaiah chapter 9. Uh, in verse number six, it says, for unto us, a child is born and unto us, a son is given. It says the government shall be on his shoulders. And then it lists out four different names for him. It says, and he shall be called, somebody say wonderful counselor. And he shall be called mighty God. Somebody say mighty God. Everlasting father. Somebody say everlasting father. And only people that need peace can say this one. Somebody say, he is the Prince of Peace. He's not the one that brings peace. He is peace. And I, don't, I know if it's one thing that we all are desiring and, 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 and seeking after, it is for the peace that surpasses all understanding. That, that peace that others look from the outside and see you in the midst of peace, even though chaos is all around. That's what Jesus is able to bring into our life. And it's good to be here to, to worship our, our king. Um, do me a favor. Let's jump right to it. People are still coming in and it's all good. But y'all are here. Who has Bibles or, or devices? Do me a favor. Go to the book of John. Once you get there, go to John chapter 3. Um, I think you might can guess what's the famous verse in John 3. What is that verse? 16. All right, 16. So let's go there. John 3, 16 is where we're going to hang out. Y'all doing all right this morning? Full transparency, just a quick confession. You know, Christmas, preaching Christmas always brings pastors anxiety. It, and it brings pastors anxiety for a few reasons. The number one reason it brings um, most pastors anxiety is because, you know, this is the time that your family either flew in or your friends are here and you brought you know, your friends or you brought your family. There was one year a young girl pulled me aside and she said, I got my cousin with me. I need you to preach the best sermon you've ever preached before today. And so there's this expectation that because family and friends are here that, uh, that I have to hit a home run. Uh, here's what I can promise that the gospel will be preached and Jesus will be proclaimed. The second reason I think there is anxiety as it relates to, um, preaching on Christmas is, is, is you fight the, the, the tendency to be redundant. Um, I have to preach every single Christmas. There were, there were times where um, we did an Advent series and there was four, you know, and throughout the December, there were four times I had to preach on Christmas. How do you fight the redundancy um, of, of, of preaching the, the same story, different ways and different angles? Uh, the third reason I think there's pressure and always on Christmas is because let's be honest, the birth is only seen, the birth of Jesus is only seen in the book of Matthew, in the book of Luke. Um, there's supporting texts and there's supporting content for uh, what it means that God became flesh. But it's only the birth is actually only found in those two places. And so it limits the places that you can go. But nevertheless, I think John 3.16 is going to be a great place for us to, um, 
to just hear from the Lord. Is that all right? Verse 16 says, it's so familiar. I almost asked the tech team not even to put it up because I feel like everybody should know it except a few of you heathens in here. You might not know it. Come on, come on. Listen, I'm not a young buck pastor. I've been around the block for a little bit. I know there's a few of you in here. All right, let's go. John 3, 16. For God so loved the world. Won't y'all read it with me? For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Or maybe your, your text or your version says eternal life. Um, whatever it says, that's what, that's what we get in this gift that God has given us. I want to preach today from the topic, Jesus at the center. And to be clear, that is the topic for the day. So you're going to hear songs about Jesus being at the center. You're going to hear exhortation about Jesus being at the center. You're going to, you're going to hear more scripture today about Jesus being at the center. And the question becomes at the center of what? Well, we'll, we'll get to that in a second. Let's look to the Lord before we dig in. Uh, many of us today, Lord, have last-minute Christmas shopping to do. Many of us today have last-minute wrapping of the gifts. Some of us are experiencing loneliness today. Some of us are experiencing a different level of grief because mama was here last year and she's not here anymore. Lord, I pray that we would slow the pace down and consider what it means that you are giving us a gift today. And the gift that you give us, God, it, it's not a gift that was on discount. It's, it's not a gift that was, that was on layaway. But it's a gift that cost you everything. And yet somehow, some way, you gave this gift without being begrudging. You gave this gift with joy. And so, Lord, I pray, oh God, that we would do well to unwrap that gift today. That we would do well to be enamored and in awe of that gift today. And that gift is your son, Jesus. It's in his name and his name alone that we give glory. Somebody say amen. amen. Jesus at the center. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, the, the staff, the entire staff is off for the, for the next two weeks. We, um, we usually shut down the last two weeks of the year. Uh, be with families, time of reflection. It's time to give the, you know, the staff a break. Um, but right before the break, I was, I jumped on the train. I got on at Rockaway, which is close to where I live. And I jumped on the train to, to head here. And then I got to Kingston Troop. By the way, it's Troop. Don't, don't pronounce that H. It's not Throop. It's Kingston Troop. I, I got to Kingston Troop. And, um, as I'm sitting on the train, there's a, there's a young lady that gets on with a, with a little girl. She probably is about, I don't know, maybe three, four, maybe five, um, but she gets on the train and my first reaction is, man, that's an adorable little girl. My second reaction is, man, she's bad. She is like, that is, she's like the baddest kid in New York. She literally jumped up on the, the, the bars and like started swinging like, like Gabby Douglas. She was just kind of like swinging. And then she let the bars go and I'm looking at her mother. Her mother didn't say anything. So I was like, let me mind my business. Got back in my phone. But, but then, but then she did the unthinkable. She got out of her seat, got up underneath the seats on the train, and started rubbing the ground. And she's picking up stuff. At one point, she was scratching with her fingernails. And, and that's not the shocking, because I'm like, man, she's three, four, five. Like, she doesn't, she doesn't know any better. But I started to look at her mother weird. Because I'm like, okay, you're not going to say nothing? I get it. If the girl is swinging, she got energy. You ain't going to say nothing, but... 
I'm confused right now why you're not saying nothing while she's playing in the dirt that's on the train. But my confusion, if I'm fully transparent and honest, my confusion did not lead me to believe that the mother didn't love her. I truly believe that 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 mother loved her. But it did lead me to the conclusion that she loved the daughter, but she did not hate the dirt. Now, in, in a reverse way, I'm sitting on the other side and I hate the dirt. I don't love the little girl the way the mother loves the little girl, but I hate the dirt. Now, you have two people both watching this little girl. One of us loves the little girl. The other one hates the dirt, but yet the young lady continued to play in the dirt because when you have love for somebody and not hate for dirt, it keeps the person in the same dirty place that they were in. And it hit me. I I had an epiphany, no pun intended. It hit me like a ton of bricks that until love was in the same person, that hate was in the same person for the for the dirt, that little girl would remain in the dirt. Now, just in case you think I'm still talking about the little three, four year, five year old girl on the train. I'm not now not talking about her. I'm talking about you and I, because I know what you're doing. You're thinking to yourself, well, I'm not that dirty. Every single one of us are up underneath the, the, the seats on the train and we're all going like this in the dirt. And we need somebody from the outside that loves us and hates the dirty mess we're in to pull us up out. I'm preaching already, y'all. And let me, let me tell you, that is exactly what you get in Jesus. What you get in Jesus is somebody who has profound love. For, and I know you may not feel like you're loved, but he has profound love for you. Ephesians chapter 2, but God being rich in mercy because of the great love in which he loved us. Yes, he loves you. The, the, not, not the you that's futuristic, that has it all together, but, but the you that's right now, the you that don't pray the way you want to, the you that, that don't have it all together, the you that makes bad decisions, that you he loves. And here's how he knows. Here's how I know. Because the Bible tells me while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And so we arrive at this one verse. Not a past, one verse that shows us and is proof that God loves us, but he also hates the dirt that we find ourselves in. And what he does is he creates a path for you to be cleaned up. But the path he creates for you is packaged in a gift. Somebody say a gift. It's packaged within a gift. And many of you today will exchange gifts with loved ones. Now, I know you will. Many, many of you right, right now, you, you, you know, you're, you're already you're excited about the gift that you've given to, to, to somebody or, or that you will give to somebody tomorrow. And just in case I'm on your, 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 your Christmas list, I wear a size 10 and a half down on the feet. I preach better with J's on. I just do. I don't know why. I don't know what the Lord does there, but he does something. But, 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 but the Christmas gifts that we give, most of us in the room don't have any biblical convictions, right? We don't, I mean, we just don't have biblical convictions for gift giving. There are some people I know that are like, man, you should be exchanging, you know, gifts. That's, where's that at in the Bible? Some of you will point to the wise men, right? Well, the Bible says that the wise men came and found Jesus in the manger and they brought with them frankincense and they brought with them, with, with them myrrh and, and they brought with them gold and they offered them to Jesus. So they gave Jesus a gift. But can I argue and give you an alternative reason for the tradition of gift giving? We don't give gifts because of the wise men. We give gifts because the one way before the wise men were even born gave us a gift called Jesus. And so there is an imitation 
Because can't no they used to say back in the day, you can't beat, you can't beat God's giving. And then the song go on to say, no matter how hard you try. Because the gift he gives you is not like the gift you got under the tree right now. It's a gift that nobody will be able to give you. Okay, y'all not feeling me, so I'm just going to get right into it. For God so loved the world. That, that's shocking, y'all. That God loved the world. That, that is Because it doesn't say he loved the lovable. It, it doesn't say he loved the one group of people. It doesn't say that he loved the, the people that currently have it all together. It says that he loved the world. When I was in Bible college, they taught us this, this Bible study method called a reader's reaction. And a reader's reaction is whenever you read the text, try to transport yourself back to ancient times and, and act like you are reading it for the first time as the audience would have heard it for the first time. And so I'm thinking about the audience that, that John is, is writing this to. Most of them would have been a Jewish audience. Now understand how Jews thought about God, they were the royal priesthood. They were the elect. They, they were the set apart. They were the chosen ones all throughout the Old Testament. It talks about them being chosen. But here you have in John chapter three, he doesn't say for God so loved the, 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 the chosen ones. He says God loved the, the world. And that messes me up when I think about it. Because I realized that when Jesus stepped on the scene, he came to do something different than that was happening in the Old Testament. He came to fulfill it and grow it, which is why a few verses later, it's going to say, for I have other sheep. This is what Jesus says that are not of this fold. And I must bring them in also and they'll listen to my voice and there will be one flock and there will be one shepherd. You should be rejoicing that God so loved the world because that means he's able to love you. Undeserving, because I know you've, you're undeserving of God's love, but yet he lavishes it on you. I'm unworthy of God's love, and yet he gives me love. He looks down, and he sees my fault, and he looks beyond my fault to see my need and says, I know what they really, really need. They need me to wrap this gift together in flesh, and I need to put it on, and I need to come down and be born in a manger. And some of you in here right now, you're going, ah, but you know, I just don't feel loved. I, if, if he loves me, it's because he don't know. He don't, he don't really know about me because there are some people in this room that feel just too far for God. But can, can I give you a few, a few examples that he can love you? He loved Paul. Bro, Paul, the persecutor of the church, he loved. Moses, a murderer, he loved. For God so loved the world that he loved. Moses, what about Abraham? Dude got the side chick pregnant. Oh, that's Bible, y'all. That's, that's Genesis, y'all. I'm making this up. The wife's approval, but he got the side chick pregnant. The whole thing is crazy. For God so loved the world that he lavished it on Abraham. Yo, what about Abraham, uh, uh, Rahab? If anybody's undeserving, she's a prostitute. And not only is she elect and selected by God, don't miss this, but she's also in the family tree in the, the fleshly bloodline of Jesus. Because God so loved the world. What about Jacob? His nickname is Swindler. His, he's, he's a deceiver. But God so loved the world. In fact, the text goes on to tell me, Jacob, I hated, but Esau, I loved. How? Why? Because God so loved the world. Okay, that's not getting you. What about you? God so loved you. 
like you like think you don't don't think that you that you presented to us this morning that look cute. You got your eyebrows done. You did, you put the eyelashes on. Baby hairs is slick. Not that you. The breath stinking. Hair all over the place. No haircut. Beard dry. That you. He loved. And he wraps it up in these, these few words, for God so loved the world. And I'm grateful that God loved the world. And if he loved the world, that means we have a responsibility to tell the world that he loved them. Oh, God, it's called evangelism. Next Christmas, next Christmas, there should be a line of people behind you that you have brought to Jesus. Because you were so serious about telling the world that there's a God that loves them. I'm going to move on quickly. And we're going to sing about that today, that there's a God that loves us. Verse 16 says, for God so loved the world that he gave, he gave y'all. Thank you all for talking today. He gave, he gave us a gift. Jesus is the gift. And this is the greatest gift that you'll ever receive. Now, here are a couple of things, just three things really quickly about that gift. Number one, the gift is unsolicited. In other words, you ain't asked for the gift. Can I be clear? You didn't request the gift. The kids that are, that are in this room that are playing up under the train don't have it in us. Our heart's not open enough for us to want to ask God. God is not Santa that you sat on his lap and said, I need your son in my life. You didn't know you need him. How, you know how I know that? Because we were stuck in the muck, in the mire. We, we were undone. We, we, we were depraved. If you read a few verses later, verse 19 of the same chapter, it says the people love darkness. And I know you're thinking those people, but you loved darkness and yet he looked at you and said I gotta give him a gift and the gift when they open it it's gonna brighten up the world so it's unsolicited you didn't request it you didn't ask for it you didn't know to ask for it but yet he gave it to you anyway you know what else the gift is undeserved I know you feel like you that dude you didn't deserve the gift I didn't deserve the gift. What I deserved was wrath. What I deserved was punishment. And if I got, if I got a salvation today, it is nothing but grace. Y'all remember we sat in this room last week and I talked to you about grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. That is the way, that is the merit in order to get into heaven is pure grace. Somebody say grace. Because let me explain something to you about us. We've committed treason against God. Treason. Do you know what would happen in ancient times if you committed treason against the king? Y'all remember, remember the time with Eddie Murphy? Michael Jackson, but Eddie Murphy was in it. Y'all remember that? And he's sitting on the throne, and he wants to be entertained, and Michael Jackson came up there, and he just... I got the Michael Jackson jacket on today, too. He, you, know, he, you know, he did his thing. And, and remember, remember that it felt like disrespect to the king, and what did Eddie Murphy do? He went... You know why? Because you can't disrespect me and live. But yet we got a king that we've disrespected over and over and over again. And yet he still says, I'm going to put the tree on. I'm going to put the gift under the tree. The gift of Jesus Christ. Number three. So it's unsolicited. It's undeserved. Number three. It cannot be earned. You can't come to church enough to get the gift. You can't pay your tithes enough to get the gift. You can't serve enough to get the gift. You can't go to small group enough to get the gift. You can't be baptized to get the gift. You can't, like those things happen after you already got the gift. The gift, y'all hear me, the gift cannot be earned. And what I love about the gift is there's no strings attached to it. There's no small fine print for you to consider. There's no special clause to it. The gift is what the gift is, and it's given to us. By grace, listen to me, y'all are going to go home and y'all are going to open up many gifts when you, when you get home, maybe tomorrow. You're going to open up some gifts. 
Can I promise you, you will not open up a gift like the gift God gives you? I hope y'all hear me. You will not open a gift in the same way that God, because the gift that he gives was given to us in Genesis, in John chapter three. But don't you get it twisted. The gift still gives. Oh, that, that gift still gives and it gives. And the reason 2000 years later, we can sit here and rejoice about this gift is because this gift has a throne that is eternal, that, that never stops, that can't be taken off from the throne. I praise God for the gift of Jesus. Well, how do I know it's Jesus? Pastor B, you got you to gotta give it to me before we leave. Here it is. For God so loved the world that he gave his. That's it. The son. I need you not to run past the word only. Because that shows you the value of the gift. Because if God had 10, 20, 30 sons and he gave Jesus, he's less valuable. But Jesus is the only begotten son. That means that the gift is precious. That means that the gift is valuable. It's, it's unique. It's rare. He's the only son. I literally circled only, drew a line out to the margin, and I wrote, my king is different. He just, he's just different. He's different than anybody else. You know why he's different than anybody else? Because he is the only begotten son. And here's my fear. We're going to go into worship, heavy worship. Here's my fear. My fear is that the gift will sit under the tree unclaimed. Listen, for those of you who are parents in this room, and you worked and you, you, you took your hard-earned money and you went and you bought that special gift for your child. Can you imagine putting the, the, the gift, wrapping it and putting it under the tree? If you do the tree, putting it somewhere and then the kid sees it and then says, I don't want it and walks away. Can you imagine? I don't know how y'all feel about, you know, uh, about gift giving. For me, I'm, I'm happy to receive gifts, but I'm more excited when I give the gift. Because I like to see the reaction of the people that open it. Anybody else like that? I like to see the reaction. Can you imagine God in heaven going, I gave them a gift that they won't open. And that's, that's the greatest fear I have as a pastor. Is that there's people in this room that will walk, over, say, walk away and say, that's cute. But do you know that, that, that it's so detrimental not to open the gift? Because the end of this thing, you're asking yourself, well, what does it cost me? It costs you eternity. Because the end of it says he gives us eternal life. And not to open it means eternal death. Oh, I'm not, a, I'm not scared to preach hell. Because eternal life, there is an opposite to it. Everybody in this room will spend eternity somewhere. The question is, where will you spend eternity? The gift that's under the tree. I keep saying under. Mm -mm. Jesus is not a gift that's under the tree. He's a gift that's on the tree. Oh, that's good. Oh, that's good. If y'all if y'all put that on the gram, I need to be tagged in that one. He's not a gift that's under the tree. He's a gift that hung on the tree. And because he hung on the tree, I got life. I got I got liberty. He who the sun set free. Are y'all quiet on Christmas Eve? He who the sun set free is free indeed. Somebody say he's free indeed. I got eternal life because of the gift. Look, some of y'all going to get Apple headphones and you're going to be marveling over Apple headphones. The gift that's on the tree is better than the one that's under the tree. Some of y'all going to get some expensive, rare, you know, vinyl signed by Bob Marley. You're going to be hype. The gift that's on the tree. Better than the one that's... Some of y'all going to walk outside 
and there's going to be a bow on a black Tesla with tan interior. Ty, I just need that spirit in your spirit. A black Tesla with tan interior, and the door is going to go boom. My question is, are you going to be more mesmerized by the Tesla? Or are you going to be more mesmerized by the one that hung on the tree? Cursed is he who hung on the tree. Every single curse I have or that I had has been absorbed. Watch this. By the baby in the manger. A lot of times we want to rush. I'm almost done, y'all. A lot of times we want to rush right to 33 years later. But I want to sit in the fact that he was seen as a king, as a baby. Oh, and not by humans, but by the stars. The Bible says that the wise men in Mark chapter 2, the Bible says that the wise men followed the star to Bethlehem. And the scripture literally says that the stars stopped and stood in the place. Let me, re- let me read it. And behold, the star that they had seen when they rose and went from uh, until it came to rest over the place where the child was. The stars literally stopped and bowed down because in that manger was a God. Let me give you further proof. If the, if the astrology doesn't do it for you, what about the wise men? Grown men came to the manger, when they saw the baby in the manger, they kneeled down. He ain't got no army. He ain't got no servants. He ain't got no money. Shoot, he's in a manger. And these wise men know that they are in the presence of royalty. They are in the presence of a throne that is established forever. That baby in the manger will grow up to die for my sins, but I don't want to rush for the, by the fact that he got, God wrapped himself in flesh. And came down. And what's crazy about Christmas is it's the only holiday that has to have dual meaning to it. Think about this. Veterans Day is about the vets. No, no two. You know, Martin Luther King, it's about Martin Luther King. Shoot, your birthday. You celebrated all month. It's about you. But here we are on Christmas, supposed to be focusing on who's at the center of Christmas. And yeah, we got to talk about Santa Claus. I choose not to talk about Santa Claus today because Santa Claus ain't saved me. He might give the Tesla, but he don't save me. What I need is who's at the center of creation. I need, I need who's, who's at the center of the scriptures. Who's at the center of, of, of all humanity? Let me give, you, let me give this to you and I'm going to sit, sit down and take my seat. Who's at the center of your life? As the worship team comes up, listen, this is what we're going to do, y'all. This is a worship service. That's why we got the sermon in and out the way. This is a worship service. And I want y'all to do me a favor. I know y'all look nice, but can we put away the cute stuff today? If you want to run, go ahead and run. You want to scream? Go ahead and scream. You want to dance? Go ahead and dance. If worship team, y'all want to jump off this stage and you do it. Here's why: because we serve a God that even the stars stop. We should take a second and worship that King. Can y'all do me a favor for one second before I pray? Can we just lift up a praise to the baby in the manger? Hallelujah! Come on, lift up a praise in this room. Come on, shake yourself. Get out of that. Get out of that cute stuff. This is the king that saved me. The king that ransomed me. 
Hallelujah. Father, for the next hour or so, we're going to sing unto your name. And Lord, I pray that you would receive all the glory, not unto us, not unto us, but unto your name, get the glory. And so today we've gathered, gathered in this room, not to see each other, but we've gathered in this room because we want to be impressed and marveled by Jesus and the work that he has accomplished. And so Father, as we worship, whether we're doing a fast song, a medium, a slow song, Lord, I pray that you would receive the worship from the adults and from the children. It's in Christ's name we give glory. Amen.